This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 67, Self-Mastery. For this episode, I sat down with Eva Beronius. Eva is the founder of Self-Mastery and Beyond and the highly praised online meditation course, Beyond the Mind. Her own journey has included transforming a state of PTSD and anxiety with symptoms like panic attacks, depression, and trust issues into a thriving life and peaceful mind. She has experience with various techniques in trauma therapy and personal growth, as well as a spiritual foundation and a Toltec tradition. She is passionate about how we can access change by bypassing the rational mind. Today, she is teaching workshops and retreat around the world, hosting online courses, and working with individual clients. She believes one of the most important pieces to healing is connection with yourself, with others, and with life itself. And her coaching is signified by presence, non-judgment, compassion, and truth. As always here on the podcast, I really appreciate your support, whether it's through reviews on iTunes or through the Patreon platform. You now have three different options to show your support on Patreon. For as low as $5 a month, you can get access to more content, exclusive episodes, tutorial, guided meditation, and more. And on the second and on the third tier, you can have access to some or all the classes I've been recording on Zoom and continue to record during this shelter in place. So if you'd like to have access to all that extra content and or you would just like to help me and support me in the creation of this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash on and off your mat and become a premium member on the tier of your choice. All right, ready? Let's get to our episode of today. Hi, Eva. Hi there, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Mm-hmm. So Eva, for listeners that don't know you very well, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your yoga journey towards also the other things you work um, on that we'll talk about today? Of course. I Well, my name is Eva Baronius and I, I live in Sweden normally. Right now I'm I could just share with you. I'm stuck in Costa Rica because of circumstances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I've been teaching self, what I call self-mastery work for the past uh, years. And before that, I have a background. I am a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher. So that's something that I kind of brought into the self-mastery work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was on a journey myself. Um, which started, yeah, probably, I mean, it's been going on for most of my life as it has for, for many of us. Mm -hmm. And I started really wanting to change the, my inner world, the suffering that I was experiencing coming from my emotional reactions and my thought patterns and habits. And when I come to the realization that instead of pointing at everything else and circumstances and stress and outside, yeah, the outside for it. And I started turning that mirror around and look at what was going on inside of me because that was what I could actually control or change. Mm -hmm. The outer circumstances I didn't have much control over, I realized, or Mm -hmm. other people's behavior. So is there something that I can improve in my experience of life and, and, and me? And I was like, that's, that's what's going on inside of me. So let me, so let me change that. And before that I had done a lot of both talk therapy and 
stress management. And so I've been on a journey for a long time and with self-help books. But when I started doing the self-mastery work, it really hit a chord in me of, because I have this longing to really go to the root of things. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it, it's not enough to just touch on the surface and manage things for me. I, I had this longing of like, no, I want to understand what's going on. And I want to be able, I want to have the skills to change it at the root, at the core. So the self-mastery work really hit a core for me in that of like, for the first time, I feel like someone is explaining to me what is going on inside and how these reactions are being driven by our unconscious. And I now have tools that I feel I can both understand and change it. Mm -hmm. So... Then I really dove into the self-mastery work. I'm very motivated about doing that. And somewhere down that line, when when I had changed and shifted my inner world a lot, and I felt like now my motivation is not getting out of the suffering so much anymore, but it's creating more of, of um, what I want in life from joy and unconditional love and gratitude and things that I want to be part of my life. I want more of those. And now that's my motivation. And then it also came very natural to start sharing this with others. Mm-hmm. I started started teaching it, started having um, kind of in-person group meetings and courses back home in Stockholm, Sweden. And then it started just growing and growing when I saw the results that people had with it and how they were able to change themselves. And I just wanted to make it bigger and be able to reach more people and for more people to be able to do this. So then I kind of moved more into the, an online offering with it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do now. I offer online courses uh, with self mastery and meditation is a big part of that. And yeah, having also one, one-on-one coaching sessions with people, but mostly doing the group, mm-hmm. the group courses online. I want to come back to a few different things you mentioned in that intro, but the first thing that I wanted to dig in a little deeper with you, if you're comfortable, is what was going on in your life at that moment or like when you started, like what pushed you in your life? You talked, you mentioned on general, like suffering and wanting to get out of that suffering and wanting to observe your emotional and your reactions and your thoughts and all those things. But was there something particular going on that kind of pushed you over the edge to be like, okay, now I need to stop and reevaluate and change? Or was it very gradual? If I don't know what was going on. Yeah, so there was a long history of both depression panic attacks, anxiety. Mm-hmm. I would say those were the main themes that had been going on for me. And not that I was in depression all of the time, but I had episodes of depression and also exhaustion, like stress, response, overwork, um, overambitious. Mm-hmm. But I think with all those, very few people knew that this was going on for me because I was, I had been kind of this dissociating from feeling all these things of having it. So I was displaying this image of perfection and I was very competent and very ambitious at work and I did well. Um, But it would show up in my closest relationships. 
So in, in the romantic relationships or the personal relationships, that's where a lot of emotional drama would come up or at work from doing too much and not having the boundaries mm-hmm. and then coming home and have no energy left for my, for my family or personal relationships. So I, I noticed that over time and I, I tried to work on it and there were things that I did, but what really got me motivated was that I, I was in a relationship at that time and we, we were going through our struggles and we went to couple therapy. And in that, in one of those therapy sessions, we were sitting there and we were discussing, discussing, we were talking about how to build trust with each other. Mm-hmm. And something in that session just seemed off. <laughs> like there were there was the, the 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 suggestions that the therapists were making was basically like, okay, let's practice that your partner is gonna do these things and then see if you'll feel more safe and secure and that you can build some trust with that. And there was just something inside of me and I didn't know at the time what it was, but it just felt off. It's like there's something that this doesn't feel satisfying. This doesn't feel mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And after like a few days, I was like, that can't be it. It's like there's something off. That can't be it that depending on what the other person is doing, I'm supposed to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Like there's something missing in that equation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, I, no, I don't want to continue with this therapy <laughs> sessions. I want to find something else. And that's when I kind of like in a desperate moment went out to Google things and like how to, how to really overcome these reactions of mistrust that I'm experiencing. Mm. And that's when I found like a really good article from, yeah, from what then became my teacher that I like, oh, this is really explaining it. This is, this is what's going on underneath the reactions that I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. The reaction is just one expression, but what I'm really interested in, what's the structure? What's the system underneath the reactions? So mm-hmm. that, that was a really like one of those turning points. I was miserable in my relationship and I couldn't figure it out. And I got motivated enough to like, hey, I want to go change this. But there was also longer history of, yeah, depression, anxiety, panic attacks that I was really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. So what is that system under the reaction? What are we talking about here? So what, what I discovered was the importance of, of course, of the subconscious mm-hmm. and these unconscious beliefs that we carry that has been formed inside of us and put into place sometimes without us even knowing about them because the rational mind is is often in in conflict with these unconscious beliefs because our rational mind or kind of grown-up mind says, well, we have these values and we believe that we are this kind of person and that we and that we can react and be in this way. And, mm-hmm. and that's true. Those are things often that we believe and value. But then we have the emotional structure, structure underneath all of these unconscious beliefs. And as you probably heard, like our, our behaviors and our thinking is to like 
between 80 and 90% is driven by our subconscious. Mm-hmm. So that's really what's, what's driving our behavior when, you know, when we come into a situation that activates an emotional response from us, like with our, in our relationships often or at work, like everything that's, that hits a nerve, you know, that, that mm-hmm. activates an emotion or, or a wound or a pattern that we've, that we've adapted now it's the the unconscious that the automated program that takes over and we can become a lot in, in conflict with this because we believe ourselves to be a different person we, and we <laughs> want to display ourselves as a different person mm-hmm. but now these reactions are showing up so that's 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 kind of the structure that's mm-hmm. that's underneath so we have an emotional reaction that comes from an unconscious or subconscious belief that we have what kind of belief can that be do you can you give a few examples for people to understand what we're talking about yeah i mean i think today a lot of people have heard about uh, limiting beliefs or Mm -hmm. unconscious beliefs and often they get when it comes to kind of performance you know like with athletics and and people um also in business and they want to take apart their limiting beliefs what what i see happens is that it often stops at oh this is driving our thoughts like I have a limiting belief of I'm not able to do this or I'm not good enough I wouldn't be able to accomplish this goal that I've set up Mm -hmm. or there's something about procrastination that keeps me from from getting where I want to go so there it kind of stops at the thinking layer but what a lot of people don't know is that just what you said now, like it's driving our emotional reaction. It's very connected with our emotions. So our beliefs, our unconscious beliefs can be many things. Often, if you track them way back down, and I'm like now mm-hmm. giving you the shortcuts to totally. <laughs> the, the, the core beliefs here, it's, it's kind of, we're not good enough. We're not just okay the way we are. We need to accomplish something. We need to prove ourselves worthy of love. Mm-hmm. And that's often in the core beliefs of many of us. But then that can kind of um, branch out into different beliefs that often are easier to spot. Um, this, for example, I was talking to a client earlier today. And we were looking at some of the um, reactions that she had at work. She felt resistance with going and doing the tasks that she had at hand. Mm -hmm. So she could notice the resistance. And then she had this voice like, hey, come on, like, you need to go do these tasks. Because if you don't do, you're not doing your work well enough. So there's this judgment about having the resistance and kind of go into procrastination. Mm-hmm. So now you have this conflicting voices already in your head, but you don't really understand why do you have the resistance. But as she went in and looking at what this was, she could realize that there was a fear about someone getting angry at her for doing it wrong. Mm. So going in and doing her work tasks could potentially mean that she would do it wrong 
And therefore, someone would get angry at her and she would get blamed and judged. Mm-hmm. And to our unconscious, this is a painful experience because mm-hmm. with that comes painful emotions. Yeah. And now you've built protective mechanisms around that painful experience. So these protective mechanisms says, don't go there. Don't even go there. Don't even start working on these things because it could mean pain. Yeah. So if you start seeing this, then it makes sense. It's like, of course I would go procrastinate. Of course I would have resistance of start doing this because these parts inside of me, in my unconscious, is afraid that we will get into painful experience. And we want to avoid that painful experience because that doesn't, doesn't feel safe. Because often to the five-year-old or seven-year-old that had that experience at first, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel safe. So that's when the protective mechanisms were put into place. So what can look as that, what can seem as a very, you know, like, oh, I'm procrastinating. I'm, I don't want to go do, I'm lazy. I don't want to do my work or whatever it is, can have a underlying structure of, I don't want to get blamed and judged and, and, and feel someone else's anger projected at me. So does it start with a belief and then some, something happens external of you and you have an emotional reaction to it? And that might include um, the voices you were talking about or the resistance or any, and then you move on to your protective mechanism and that's your reaction. So like, is that what's happening if we break it down really slowly? which it all yeah, happens so, in one second, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like nowadays, when you go into that reaction, you, you usually skip many steps because now a neural pathway has been formed. So neurons are just firing in your brain and they're going from one to the other in a split second and you don't notice these different steps, just like you said, that you go through. But if we break it down really slowly, it's like what's... This is layered. It's like a layered cake. Uh, At the bottom, at the core, at the source is a painful emotion. Mm -hmm. And then the next layer is the belief that has been formed around it. Like the thought, like, oh, um, my dad doesn't love me. He thinks I'm a terrible person for have done this or whatever it is, whatever thought, whatever belief, whatever agreement is being made in Mm. the unconscious at that time together with a strong emotion. And then on top of that are the protective mechanisms. Like we don't ever want to feel that emotional pain from that belief, from that agreement, from that situation again. So let's, let's manage Yes. Let's, let's avoid. Stay let's, away from our. Yeah. yeah. Let's avoid. Let's distract. Let's uh, let's uh, be always super happy. Let's always be the easygoing, mm-hmm, uh, agreeable mm-hmm, person. Mm-hmm. So that no one. Let's be the pleaser. Let's be the productive person. Whatever it is, the protection mechanism can have very many expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume some are healthier than others. <laughs> so, yeah. And some are protecting us from before, but they're not really serving us anymore. They're just ingrained in that, like, let's say avoidance is a pattern and you had that as a kid and it really, you know, help you stay safe. But maybe now as an adult, you're avoiding in ways that are not helpful. 
So how do we know if our protective mechanisms are still serving us or if they're less healthy coping mechanisms that we should yeah. look at? Yeah. Now, what, what's really important to understand is, is what you're pointing to here is that they were put into place in a time where you felt unsafe and this was the best solution. Mm-hmm. So avoidance or managing or going into fight, flight, freeze, whatever it was in that situation was the best that the program, the unconscious program could come up with at that point because we were two or five or seven. Yeah. So is that's, it makes perfect sense that it was put into place, but just like you said, it might not serve us anymore. It might lead to us going into very strong reactions and project that previous situation from when we were two or five into a situation happening today with our spouse, with our children, with our boss, our colleagues, our friends, where we realize, oh, this isn't really the situation, but my inner world is projecting it Mm -hmm. being that situation because the neural pathways are being fired. And if there's strong emotions of pain and hurt in there, it's like it wants to relive it. And I I tend to think of it as it wants to solve it somehow. It wants to have a different outcome. So in a way, it's trying to to get to a resolution. It's trying to say, Mm. but this is also why it seems to be repeated again and again and again until we kind of get to the core of it. So... I think you will notice by it's causing more drama in your life than, mm-hmm. than, than it's helpful. So sure, setting boundaries. I mean, that's very important. But are you pushing away people when they didn't really do anything big? Like are your reaction out of proportion to the situation itself? Because often in that situation, you will probably feel like you are reacting in proportion, because when this emotion show up, the thought about it feels true. Mm. If you feel very unsafe, if you feel really angry and really hurt, the thoughts that you have about the situation seem more true. They did this to me. I can't trust them. They, they've done this before. I see the pattern. They're a bad person. So all these thoughts that might be lies or half-truths now seem true because we have the strong emotion coming together with it. So this is why it's hard to navigate once it's going on, you know, when mm-hmm. we're in the middle of the reaction. So we kind of need to sit back later, an hour later, a day later, a week later, mm-hmm. and like, let me look at what was going on there. Was really what they were doing, not cleaning their dishes or whatever it was, was that really in proportion, was my reaction in proportion to that specific situation? Or is there something else, an inner, yeah, my inner reactions, my inner systems of belief, is it driving and amplifying my reaction to that specific situation? Mm-hmm. And the thoughts you were talking about, they come after that first painful emotion, like with the belief or do they do they sometimes start even before the emotion yeah sometimes like now in 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 your present time when you have a reaction the thought can come first or the emotion can come first 
usually my experience is that the thoughts come first because you have often dissociated with the with the emotion, with the painful emotion, and you kind of go directly, you make the jump directly into the managing, into the protective layers of look at what they're doing. And this is kind of a protector that are mm. a, like a warning mm-hmm. system. Yeah. Look at what they're doing. This is a dangerous situation. We can't trust them. We can't do this. So let's, yeah, let's make sure that it jumps directly into the thinking often and yeah. it's harder to get in touch with the emotion. So that's what we need to, to work on get getting to, to be able to change it. And that's, it's a process. It's nothing that happens just often my experience in one sitting, becoming aware of all this and go to the emotion. You need some tools and a process to, to be able to get there and get past the, these protection mechanisms. So what are some of those tools or how does that process look like with your clients? How do we get to being on that next day and sitting down to reflect and then being able to either change our thoughts or change our emotions? Like how, how does that actually happen in real life? So my experience and the process and how we've set it up with the self-mastery work is that often the clients show up and say, hey, I have this problem. How do I solve it? Mm-hmm. And we step way back from that and we say, okay, we're going to grow some self-awareness. You are going to get skills to grow self-awareness. And that includes, it often happens in steps and it can go faster for for certain people and some really need to to build this over time, depending on what you've done before and and how much self-awareness you have and how much you're used to observing your own thoughts and reactions. But it includes often the following steps. And it starts with attention. It starts with being able to direct your attention. So one of the first things we we practice together is to get a hold of your attention and notice when it's being pulled along into thoughts, into reactions. So this is very much like a mindfulness practice of meditation, but also going through your day of noticing when your focus is somewhere else Mm. unconsciously Mm. uh, and you've gone into a trail of thought or um, are in a perspective that just happens automatically. So it's about starting to observe these things. And then we often go into a process of start writing in third person Mm. So start writing about your experiences throughout your day where you, because what's happening, because I mean, often in the yoga world or in the spiritual community or with meditation, you know, you get guided and step into the observer. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, that's not obvious. (laughs) It's like, how do I step into the observer? What does that even mean? (laughs) What does it mean? And how do I do it? Like, Uh can you give me some, a map, please? So that writing in third person is a typical kind of hack for stepping into the observer. Because what happens is that you are not identifying immediately with what is happening to you. You're not saying, I felt this way. I had this reaction. I said this. Mm -hmm. I did this. Instead, you're saying, he, she, or name Mm -hmm. (laughs) felt this. And reacted like this and then responded in this way. So 
you have now automatically stepped into the observer of it. Mm-hmm. And you can also go back and read this and look at it from a more of an observer point of view. Because if you read it and it says, I, 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 but it's not the same person. You're not the same same person that you were five minutes ago or a day ago. Mm-hmm. But now when you re when you revisit it and read it again, it's it's stated in a third person. So you can you get a better chance of looking at it from the outside. From a neutral standpoint. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now you're observing that behavior that that version of you had yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> at yeah, yeah. that in that situation. So with this, that's another step of like Mm-hmm. Stepping more and more into this observer that you feel yourself as separate to all these reactions, all these thoughts. And now you can start mapping them. We call it like subpersonalities or characters or parts of you. Uh, something that's very commonly used in, in um, IFS, internal family systems as well, mm-hmm. or kind of in a, in a Jungian archetype characters type of work. So we, we use that a lot of dividing these different reactions and behavioral patterns that you can notice into characters. So you can give them name. And of course, there's the archetypes of the victim and yeah. the judge and the hero and the pleaser and the prostitute and all of these. But you can expand that map and you can call them your project manager or your know-it-all or your whatever it is. <laughs> and it makes it a little fun because you can have fun with them and give them names. Yeah. And what happens when you start mapping them out, now you can kind of notice them throughout your day. You're like, oh, there's the know-it-all again. <laughs> there she is. That okay. makes it less like intense. Like, oh, I'm doing this exactly. wrong again. Like this is showing up again. It's like, oh, <laughs> look at that. That aspect of myself just showed exactly. up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And now you start noticing layers and how they're structured together. Because when my know-it-all shows up and then the moment after the judge steps in and say, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be such a know-it-all. It's like, oh my God, they're, they're, they're working together. They're like closely, they're entangled yeah. with each other. And so when one shows up, the other steps in and you start seeing these structures and not just separate. Um, so now when you have that mapped out, now we can start looking at the emotions that and the perspectives that these characters are carrying. What does their world consist of? Mm. What do they believe? So now we can start looking at that these unconscious beliefs are held by these subparts of you more than the whole of you. So it's the beliefs belongs to their worlds and it's been put into place with an emotion. So it's also becoming in touch with your emotion and finding a different relationship to your emotions so that we can now step into the subconscious and start releasing the emotions that these beliefs were put into place with and start, yeah, changing your inner world like that, your, your mm-hmm. programming. Mm-hmm. So that's the rough, the map of, of this self-mastery process and how we work with it. That is so helpful. I'm sure people will want to listen to this episode like twice <laughs> to be like, I need to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of steps in there. And I, it's, it's, it's not a quick fix where we, it's like, it's not, 
And that's why we call it self-mastery. It's like, mm-hmm. it's skills for a lifetime oh, yeah. that you learn <clears throat> to do. And you're building skills. And with that, you build a sense of agency of being able to actually go in and change things, programming in your unconscious. Um, I mean, that's, that's made the whole difference for me um, in my experience of life and, and how I'm feeling. Like being able to change these emotional reaction at the root with the unconscious belief. And then how you notice that it's working is that you go into a similar situation that you've been in mm-hmm. so many times. And all of a sudden, it's kind of quiet. You're, you're kind of waiting for that strong <laughs> reactions that you've had hundreds of times. Yeah, and you're, you're reacting like, differently. Yes, it's not there. Mm-hmm. So it's just this quiet peace and calm instead and you're like hey there's something shouldn't there be something here <laughs> like a, and, and yeah that's that's how you notice that it has changed and once you start having results like this and once you start noticing that with small things in your life then you're like oh then you get even more <laughs> motivated to go yeah. change the really big ones you know like your relationship with your with your mom or, you know, something <laughs> yeah. that's really the ones that are super sticky. <laughs> yes. The big, the big ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we all have, you know, things in common as human beings. And you mentioned in the beginning that in your own experience, first you wanted to get out of suffering. And then later what you wanted was more like reaching for happiness, gratitude, and really like thriving instead of just surviving. And since we yeah. all like, this is, we all want that. We all want to get out of suffering and we want to move into something that looks more like happiness, that is a more fulfilling or more, you know, meaningful life. So how do we, how do we start? If we know that we are suffering now, you've laid down some of the tools and the steps, but Knowing that we all want the same thing, is there something to consider? Is there a place, like a tip that is good for most people? Like, how do we start to move away from suffering? Or how do we break the cycle of stress? Because that's a really big part of why people are suffering so much. It's like the stress is so intense. and yeah. Or perception of the stress or a perception of what's going on in our life. So what do yeah. we do? I think, yeah. There are, I mean, there are so many roads there mm-hmm. and you need to find, and I, w- I would say that not everyone wants this. <laughs> it's like a lot of people mm, feel okay with the lives that they have, mm. but it's, it's ones that they really hit something that causes a lot of suffering. I think that's when the motivation comes out Mm -hmm. and that can happen, you know, when you're 22 or it can happen when you are 68. Yeah. It's, we have different life paths and some, and some live a different life and they're completely happy with, with staying in the, in the normal, you know, of, of keeping that um, image of perfection up and it, it's okay. It's, it's, it's enough for them. And th- that's, that's totally fine. But I think you feel it when it's not enough for you. Mm-hmm. You feel that you want something more, that you want something else. And I want to mention two things that I think is really important if you want to really go deep into this journey and really change things at the root. 
Okay. I would say <clears throat> find something where you can take apart, where, where you can both take apart your old house and build a new house that you want. There are a lot of practices out there that focus on building a new house, you know, positive affirmations mm-hmm. or manifestations and, and build gratitude and, and all of that. That's very important for me. I've seen that it can also build judgments about what you might call your suffering or your mm. shadow sides or whatever words mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. use for it. So now you have judgment about when that other part of you is showing up and you're like shying away from it because mm. you're like, ah, I, you don't have the tools to be with the uncomfortableness, with the, with the underworld, <laughs> with the dark side of things. Yeah. Because you're like, no, I just want the, 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 you know, the good vibrations only, the, the, <laughs> the high frequencies. And, yeah. and so, so you build a fear around those things. So I, I want to say build both. Build both practices for building the new house and what you want more of in your life because that will practice new neural pathways and, and create practice the things that you want in life. That totally makes sense. Do that. But also... Find yourself some tools where you can really dare to look at what is driving the uncomfortable reactions and emotions Mm -hmm. and not shy away from them because they belong to a part of you that's been hurt. They're not there to to make your life difficult. They're there because they want the attention. They're there because they want the healing. Mm -hmm. And every time you shy away from them, every time you reject them and say that shouldn't be here and let's just shift into gratitude... If that's your only solution, they will be left feeling abandoned and rejected in there. So that's something that I really want to like there to build skills for both. Mm -hmm. And, And the other part is really what you're touching on about breaking the stress cycle. If you're high into anxiety or if you're high into mind chatter and, and stress responses in your body, the first thing I would do if you're really serious about wanting to change your behaviors and patterns, I would focus on breaking that stress cycle. I have a I have an article about it on my website and little practices with it. Mm, great. Because if you're a fight or flight, now you're in your amygdala. Now you're in that part of your brain that only triggers survival. Mm-hmm. And from there, you're in high beta brainwave state. And that's not where change happens. Like, your brain is not in a state where you can learn new things, where you can grow, regenerate cells, or, or change things in your unconscious. You need to be able to first relax into a different brainwave state. And from there, you can start making these changes and practice these other skills of going into your subconscious. Mm. So those are two really important pieces that I would yeah. that I would mention. Very good point. Anything else you want to add before we finish? Uh, we'll have to wrap this up, but if there's one takeaways you'd like listeners to leave with today, what would that be? That change at the root is really possible. Mm. I've seen it in me. I didn't believe 10 years ago, I wouldn't have believed that the life I'm living now, how how I'm feeling inside would be possible. Mm. Um, there's, it's possible for you to change it at the roots. There are tools out there. There are so many good 
yeah, both teachers and, and, and practices for it. So it is possible. You can change. You can feel different inside and not just by managing it, but really changing it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. It's my experience as well. Um, yeah. I'll put all your info in the show notes, but in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you if they want to ask more questions or they want to work with you? So you can find me at selfmasteryandbeyond.com. And I'm also on Instagram with my, my name, Ava Baronius. That's also an easy way to connect with me. Perfect. Thank you so much, Eva, for everything today. That was so interesting. I feel like we could have chatted for three hours. Obviously, I'm, I'm a little biased. <laughs> we'll a, I love we'll this do a work. Follow, we'll do a follow-up <laughs> later on. <laughs> great, 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 great. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having me, Erica. That was really, really fun conversation. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen. And if you wanted to continue, don't forget, please visit patreon.com slash on and off your mat. You can donate or you can become a premium member and get your hands on all our exclusive content. Check out the show notes to find more info about our guest of today, Eva Berenius, or my top five biggest takeaway from this episode. Now, before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to Alexander Saba working in the background, creating the music, editing, and mastering this podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time.